Welcome to Sleep Cues, the everything baby sleep podcast. I'm Erin, pediatric sleep consultant and founder of The Happy Sleep Company. From catnaps to night wakes and regressions to teething, we cover all things baby sleep. With a passion for children's sleep, we're here to help tired families get healthy rest. Hi everyone, welcome back to Sleep Cues, the everything baby sleep podcast. Today is Q&A Tuesday. And I think we're going to call this episode the if it ain't broke, don't fix it episode. And really, I know I say that a little bit in jest, but what I really mean is let's just not fix things that aren't broken. Let's leave well enough alone. All the cliches around all that kind of stuff really do apply when it comes to baby sleep. And very often we get questions from families who have kind of gotten into the weeds with information that they found online. You're feeling overwhelmed with all of this information as a parent. You are always just trying to do your best. And in the process of trying to do your best and gaining all of this information, you start to doubt yourself. So a lot of the questions that I pulled together for today's episode could be answered with one simple thing, and that is, it's not broken, so let's not fix it. I'm not just going to say that about the answer to every single question. I promise there will be some substance to this episode, but really that could be, if I could only say one line for every question today, that would probably be it. But we'll delve into why I wouldn't fix certain scenarios that are being asked about in the questions that I chose for today, and then hopefully give you some confidence around following your own intuition. Of course, educating yourself, following the accounts that make sense to you, reading the articles, that apply to your situation, but really combining that with your parental intuition and your parental instincts and knowing what's best for your babe and trying not to second guess yourself if you know that something is going well for your child, even if it's not necessarily the norm or what your neighbor's child is doing. So let's dive into the questions that I pulled together for today. First one, hey Erin, do you think it's okay for a 20 month old to still be on two naps? She'll still take two naps each day and sleep her full night. And she looks way too tired if we do try to stretch her to noon and only give her one nap. But I feel like she's too old for two naps. What do you think? Okay, so let's start with the line. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Don't fix stuff that's not broken. Is it the norm that a 20-month-old is still having two naps? No. Is it impossible? No, it's not impossible. Definitely most children... Most, not all, most children are ready to drop from two naps to one somewhere between 16 to 18 months of age. But some children are ready a little sooner than that, around 14, 15 months. And I have seen children successfully hang on to two naps a day longer than that as well until 20, even 22 months. So don't stress if your child is doing well, getting lots of age-appropriate sleep, sleeping through the night, going down great for naps. If your child happens to be older than the average and is still having two naps, that is okay. And I would stick with that. If you're a 20 month old is still, this this mom actually went on in her question and the part I didn't read to say that her child actually looks like she has bags under her eyes if they try to stretch her to 12 o'clock for just one nap a day when they have tried that. If your 20-month-old has bags under their eyes at noon, then they probably are overtired by then and probably would have done better with a nap around 9.30, 10 o'clock that morning. But then they're also going to need an afternoon nap so they're not overtired before bedtime. 
So totally fine that this 20 month old is still having two naps, even though it might be a little older than the average, it's not impossible. And it's certainly fine if that's what your individual child thrives on. Next question. Do you have a blog post about introducing a lovey? My babe is one year old and a good sleeper, but I'm wondering if there's a benefit to introducing a comfort object. I love a lovey. If I'm working with a child who is old enough to be of an age that health authorities recommend a lovey is okay, which is over the age of one. So if I'm working with a child of that age and they haven't been a great sleeper and they're having a lot of night wakes and they're having a lot of difficulties going down for naps and their family has come to us at the Happy Sleep Company and asked for help coaching them through gaining independent sleep skills, then I think a lovey is a great idea because we're creating a lot of change for that child. If I'm working with a child who's previously always been rocked to sleep or fed to sleep or co-slept, and now we're helping this child learn how to sleep independently in a crib, that's a really big change. And so I do like a levy in that situation because if the family wants to use one and is comfortable using a levy, then it can be really helpful to provide that transitional object for a child. And that's what a levy is often called a transitional object, a comfort object, a snuggly buddy, a lovey, they all mean the same thing. And it's just like maybe a little animal head with a blankie attached or a medium-sized stuffed animal that your child cuddles with and sleeps with and finds some comfort in. And I do find they can be a great transitional object when we're creating a new sleep situation for a child. But that's not this child in this question. This mom said that her child is already a really good sleeper and she's just wondering if there's any benefit to introducing a levy. So here we go again. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Would I necessarily introduce a levy to a one-year-old who's already a great sleeper? Probably not. It might just be a distraction for that child who already has great sleep skills, great sleep routines, a great understanding of their sleep situation and how to go to sleep on their own. So I don't necessarily think that I would suggest introducing a levy. However, there's an exception to this one. If your child is about to go to daycare and you as a parent have some apprehensions about it, you're concerned that your child might be missing home while they're at daycare, feeling a little sad or scared or confused. This is another place where a transitional object may be helpful. And if you introduce one at home, you could get a duplicate and also send it to daycare with your child to help them with that transition, to have something there for them at daycare that they can snuggle with and find comfort in, especially in those early days when everything is really new and big and different for your child. So if you have a big transition like that coming up and your child doesn't already sleep with a levy, then yes, it might be something you want to consider to help with that transition. If you have no apprehensions about daycare and you think your child is just going to do great with it, with no issues at all, and isn't going to feel overwhelmed by it and doesn't really need a transitional object for that change, then you're probably fine to go without it. But you could consider it if there's a transition coming up that you think it would benefit your child for. Next question. Hi there. Looking for some advice on the transition to the bed. My little guy is two and a half years and he's sleeping well in his crib, but I'm seeing a lot of my friend's kids in beds and wondering if I should be moving him at this point. 
what age do you recommend? This is a big, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Because two and a half years for many children is kind of young to move to a big kid bed. And the transition can be a big and challenging one the younger your child is. If your child is sleeping well in their crib, is not trying to climb out of their crib, it seems comfortable in there, all of these things, I would keep them in a crib longer. I love a child to sleep in a crib until at least age three, and three and a half is even better. The older your child is, the better reasoning skills they have, the higher level of comprehension that they have, generally the better the transition to the big kid bed from the crib is going to go. If your child starts getting out of their bed, coming out of their room, coming to your room in the night, coming downstairs at bedtime instead of staying in their bed, these are all things that you need your child to have reasoning skills for to talk to them about, to get them through. This is where you want to be able to sit down and discuss the importance of staying in their bed, possibly use some age-appropriate rewards and consequences related to staying in their bed or getting out of their bed. And at two and a half years old, your child might not really understand all of that. So it's probably going to be easier on your sleep situation if they can't get out of their sleep space at that age and they are still in a crib. When your child is more like three, three and a half, and they have those big reasoning skills going on and they've developed those and their level of comprehension is that much higher, then the transition is probably going to go better. So I would not move a two and a half year old out of their crib into a big kid bed just because my friend's kids were that age and doing that. Just because somebody's mother-in-law told me that my child is too old for a crib. A two and a half year old is not too old for a crib necessarily. And if they are sleeping well there, why would we disrupt that? I would stick with it. Next question. This one's a little different. This isn't necessarily a, if it ain't broke, don't fix it question, but it kind of goes there. So my two month old baby has colic and often the only way I can get him to nap is in a wrap or a carrier on me. Is this going to create a habit that's super hard to break? Mama, I feel for you having a colicky baby. I mean, there aren't words to say that it's a challenge is a massive understatement. And for you to have to stress about sleep habits during this already challenging time is just unfair. I would suggest that you need to do what works for you and your baby to get you both the most healthiest, safest, restful sleep you can. And if your baby has colic and if you are the parent of a baby who has or has had colic, you know that often the only way to make the tears stop is to hold them upright on you. So if you can only get your two-month-old colicky baby to nap in a wrapper carrier, if you can get your two-month-old colicky baby to nap, period, on you, in a wrap, in a carrier, and that gets your baby some sleep, and that gets, a you, that gets you a break from the tears and the crying that often comes along with colic, then I would suggest that's okay. I would suggest you're getting a break from those really tough tears. I would suggest your baby is getting some restful sleep in that wrap on you, having a nap that he needs in the day to develop and get that rest and have a break. It's, it's okay. And is it going to create a habit that's super hard to break? Not necessarily. I have worked with four-month-olds who've only ever napped in a carrier or a wrap. I have worked with 18-month-olds who've never slept anywhere but their parents' bed and we're now moving them to a crib. I have worked with 
a six-month-old who's never slept anywhere day or night but in a swing. I'm not recommending these practices. A swing is not recommended for sleep, but it's happened and I've been there and I've worked with a family who just couldn't get their six-month-old to sleep any other way than a swing and then came to me to help them help their baby sleep in a crib at six months of age because they just realized this is not feasible anymore. She can't keep sleeping day and night in a swing. And I tell you these stories to point out that we can always make changes when you're ready to make changes. So for right now, if for naps in the day, your baby is only sleeping in that wrapper, that carrier, because he is otherwise having big colicky tears and protest all day, and that gives you a break and some rest, I would suggest that you don't necessarily try to fix that. Because as we know, there's not necessarily a fix for colic, but your fix, you mama who asked this question, is putting your baby in a wrap and letting them nap on you. And I would suggest that's just fine. And when that colicky stage is over, we can work on different sleep habits. And is it gonna be easy? Not necessarily. Is it gonna be super challenging? Not necessarily, but it can be done. And what you're doing now is gonna get you through this stage until the point where you can work on some more independent sleep habits after that colic stage has passed. And final question for today. Hey, Erin, I see you talk a lot about the pacifier as a sleep crutch. My girl is seven months and has good naps and sleeps through the night, rarely ever wakes in the night, but she uses a pacifier. Good idea to get rid of it? Final time, I'll say it for today. If it ain't broke, do we fix it? Probably not. Yes, if you listen to this podcast regularly, yes, if you follow us on Instagram, you know that I often talk about the pacifier becoming a sleep crutch. When I talk about that, that's from years of experience and conversations with parents who have come to me saying, my baby is super reliant on the pacifier to fall asleep. She'll spit it out, but then within an hour into the night, she's awake looking for it, can't find it, can't go back to sleep without it. Even if she can find it, now she's super awake and needs other stuff like rocking to get her back to sleep. She'll only nap for 45 minutes because if she gets to 45 minutes and the pacifier has fallen out, she can't get back to sleep again for her nap. These are the things that I hear from parents who are having challenges with the pacifier. And if that's the case, that's when I say, okay, let's get rid of that pacifier. Let's at this point teach baby independent sleep skills so she stops waking up constantly looking for that pacifier and instead can wake a little bit and know how to go back to sleep and get more rest without the pacifier. But that's not this mom that asked this question. This mom is saying, my seven-month-old goes to sleep great with the pacifier, sleeps through the night with the pacifier, takes good naps with the pacifier. So I wouldn't necessarily suggest that this mom change anything if she really wants to. If she really feels a lot of anxiety about what's to come with the pacifier, about having to remove it down the road at an older age when it might be harder, then sure, that might be a good reason to get rid of it at seven months. But there certainly are some children who get rid of the pacifier on their own, who just stop asking for it or looking for it later on as they get into toddlerhood. There are children who are still really reliant on their pacifier as they enter toddlerhood, but their parents tell them that the soother fairy is going to come and take the soother away and they're going to get a bowl of ice cream in return and it goes just great and that child never asks for their pacifier again after that day and that bowl of ice cream and that visit from the soother fairy. So that could be you. That could be you if your child currently sleeps great with a pacifier and you just worry about that down the road. If you get to the point where your child just 
spits it out on their own and doesn't want any anymore, great. If you get to the point where you want to get rid of the pacifier because you feel like they're getting too old for it and you want to use a soother fairy technique, great. That might just work great. So you don't have to feel like you need to get rid of the pacifier just because you hear somebody like me on Instagram talking about how it can be a sleep crutch. If it is a sleep crutch and you know it's a crutch because your child's constantly waking for it and it's causing your family a lot of unrest, that would be a good reason to get rid of it, in my opinion. But if it's not causing you unrest and it's getting you all great sleep, you probably just want to stick with what you're doing and tackle it down the road if it does become an issue. So that's it. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. It really, there's a reason that that has, is a saying and it is a cliche and it's something we say a lot and it's because it makes a lot of sense. And as parents, when it comes to sleep, I think it's a really key thing to keep in mind that if something is working for you, for your baby, for your family, even if it's not something that you heard online, even if it's not the average, even if it's not what your neighbor's child of the same age is doing, if it works for your individual baby and it seems right and it seems good and it's getting you all a lot of good sleep and it's safe and healthy, then I would stick with it. That's the episode for today. That's the top five questions of the week. I hope that was helpful, everyone. Have a great week. Thanks for listening to Sleep Cues, the Everything Baby Sleep Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, leave a review, and share this episode with a mom or dad who might need some rest. Connect with us on Instagram at The Happy Sleep Company, and check out our website, thehappysleepcompany.com, for loads of blogs, sleep guides, and information about how we work with families one-on-one to get sleep on track.